0: Good evening, church. Good evening, Good evening, Katie. It's such an honor and privilege to be with you tonight. You know, and I want to thank the father of the house, our father, in the house, Pastor Colin and Pastor Amanda die. You know, for giving me the honor and the privilege to minister to you precious people. Amen. You know, I never take this for granted. Because one of the things that I usually say that if I was the last man standing, I know God loves me so much that he will still send his son to die for me. And I believe that's the same for each and every one of us. Those of you present here tonight or those of you watching online. I want you to know that God cares for you so much. He loves you so much that if you are the only one standing, he will still give up his son Amen. for you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And you know, this evening, um, I want to minister on what I've titled, Why Does God Seem Far? You notice I said seem, not because He's not far is very present in every moment of our life. But sometimes, it feels far and distant. And sometimes, many of us cannot make sense of what is happening around us. And tonight, I'm going to identify some of the reasons why that is and what we need to do about it. And I love to put it this way. You see, there's a lot that God has made available for us. But like everything in life, if you don't receive and appreciate it, you won't experience the value of what it presents to you. Let me use a contemporary example. If you have the best phone, the 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 top-of-the-range phone, and all you do with it is just make call. You just wasted your money. Because the real reason why you pay so much for that phone is not just the brand of the phone, but the future, the things you can do with it. But if you never learn or appreciate the future it has, you never experience that value that is in your hands. And the same thing with God. There's so much he has made available to us. But many of times, many of us lose sight of that because we don't really understand the essence of his existence or presence in us. I'd like you to turn your Bible with me to Psalm 24. I know many of you are very familiar with this. You might probably be able to quote it often, And I'm just going to read from verse 1 to 5. But my emphasis is going to be on verse 1, then 3 to 5. He reads, he says, The earth is of the Lord's, and all its fullness. The Lord and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas, and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place, he who has clean clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord, and righteousness from the God of his salvation." You see, the verse 1 is so key to experience the verse 5. And what am I saying? He says, The earth is of the Lord and its fullness, and everything that is within. In other words, you and I, we are of the Lord. We are the creation of the Lord. Everything on earth is his creation. And guess what? everything as a purpose. I know in this generation, we focus so much on the creation, and forget about the creator. But I'm saying to us tonight that if you really want to experience the blessing of the Lord, you need to honor the creator and understand that you are accountable unto Him. And everything and your life is all about Him. You know, it's interesting that many people want to know God or want to serve God or want to be around Him, but not many people really want to commit to Him or they want to serve Him on their own terms not on his terms. But look at that again. He says, the earth is the Lord's and all his fullness, the world and those that dwell therein. Everything is of the Lord. And except you appreciate that, you miss out on what he wants to do in your life as stated in verse 5. He says, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. You see, there's nothing, one thing you need to understand, there's nothing that happens that catches God on our And there's nothing that happens that He can't handle. I'm not saying that God creates evil, but the truth about it is that, you see, I used to say this, I say, if you notice it, there is a word for every season and every situation. And what, by that I imply that before anything happens in your life, there is a word, there is a promise for it. For example, when you get sick, or if you get sick, before you get sick, God has already established his promise that the chastisement of your peace was laid upon him. And by his stripes, you are made whole. That word, that promise precedes the situation. Amen? And because it precedes the situation, it means that it's superior to the circumstance. Amen? And that's why the Bible says that the word of God is a strong tower. The righteous run into it. And guess what? They are what? Saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we need to understand that there's nothing that happens around us that concerns us that God is not aware and that God is not in control of. Amen? Amen. There's nothing, absolutely nothing to be for God to handle. Praise the Lord. But what hinders the blessing of God, as we see in verse 5, in our lives? is from verse 4 and 5 the psalmist started by saying who may ascend to the heel of the Lord? In other words who can really access this God? And it goes on to say he who has clean hands and a pure heart who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully now You might be thinking that, well, I'm in safe beds. My hands are clean. My hearts are clean. I've never hurt anyone. And I give to charity. I work with charity. I do stuff. I do good stuff. But friends, if you are not accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, you can't claim to have clean hearts. Amen. Because it is Jesus by the mercy of God that imputes righteousness Amen. on us. Amen. Isaiah 64 verse 6 says that all our works are like feel the rags before the Lord. Romans chapter 3 verse 3 says everyone, everyone, everyone have seen and come short of the glory of God. In other words, by default, we stand on the wrong side of the Lord. Amen? But thank God for God's mercy. As it says in John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, in how God says, who has not lifted his soul to an idol, nor son deceitfully? In other words, has not lived a lie. Or does't leave a lie. And you know what is interesting is that many people live a lie. I trust there's no one here like that, but I really wonder why you can't let anyone else see what is on your phone or what is on your computer. I'm sure you have no secrets there. Amen. I'm sure you are as holy as you look tonight, even when no one is watching you. Amen? I'm sure you are as holy on Monday as on Sunday, isn't it? But the truth about it is that we need to stop playing games and come true to the Lord. Amen? Praise the Lord. Be as holy on Sunday as on Friday. Praise God. You see, we don't have, I, I hear people say, look, my Christian life is good, but my social life or my business life, that's mine. No, you don't have any two lives. You don't have split personality. Amen? That's a mental health concern. Praise the Lord. You have just one life, and that one life is accountable unto the Lord. Be it social, be it business, be it career, be it ministry, be it church, is unto the Lord. Praise the Lord. And what I realize is that many people live a lie because there's something they're masking. And because of what they're masking, they also set up an idol in their lives. Now, if you're from Latin America or Africa, you probably say, well, I don't have an idol in my life. I don't have any crib, um, mold image or whatever, you know. But yes, you're you're forgiven to think so. But guess what? I believe that the biggest idol of the twenty first century today is the idol of self. You know, we love ourselves so much. In fact, I've heard people say, "Well, you can't you can't love other people if you don't love yourself." But I've come to tell you that if you really want to love yourself, or you want to love other people, love God first. Amen. He said, "Love the Lord your God." Just say, "I give you these two commandments." A new commandment. Number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all that concerns you. Amen. And the second one, love your neighbors as yourself. Amen. Praise the Lord. It is the love of God in our heart, that helps us to love one another. Do you, putting all the filters of Instagram on your picture and self-love and everything will not make you even love yourself. I guarantee you, it probably makes you hate yourself better because you will always see what is wrong. So instead of you to be filled with thanksgiving, you will be filled with complaints. Hallelujah. So, what is idolatry? Idolatry is anything that you exalt above God. Anything. Some of us, as simple as it is, could be a phone. Anything that defines your life. Anything that impacts and influences your life is an idol. Anything that shapes it is an idol. Anything that you can't do without is an idol. And this could be anything, anything. You see, when I was doing um, a research on this message, I notice that the Greeks have these three common gods. The god of beauty, the goddess of beauty, the goddess of facility and health and wealth, and the god of craftsmanship. Surprise, surprise that the beauty industry is such a huge industry, even in our nation. Everybody wants to look beautiful. There's nothing wrong with looking beautiful. But the question is, how much value do you place on it? I'm almost going, I'm almost feeling to say, by the show of hands, how many people spend more time in God's presence today before coming to church than spending on their appearance? But I won't ask you to show your hands. Don't worry. But you know the answer. You know what comes first. Do I look good or do I see him? And when you look at it, like I said, because of the insecurity that idol worship creates in our life, it makes people fearful. It makes people afraid. It makes people vain and greedy. And it breeds hatred. Because you long for something that's more fun than not, you can't reach. And you let that thing become the focus of your life. You know, like many of you, I do watch TV as well. And oftentimes, or sometimes, I watch X Factor. And one of the things that make me cringe, I think is kind of a script that they all have. You know, they come to stage and say, oh, this is my life. Without this, you know, more or less, I can't exist and everything. And they all say that. And I look at it and I said, so you put your life into the hands of four mortals like you to define who you are, what you are. And you say, this is my life. And without this, I can't be anything. I want to encourage you to think deep and ask yourself a few questions ask yourself a few questions that what exactly are the things in my life that really matter most? What are things that really defines me? What are the things that defines my identity? You know, um, anything that promises safety, peace, or happiness, anything that you have to reach out to, to be happy or to receive peace or to experience peace is a God in your life. You know, I notice um, a lot of people say, I want to find my purpose. Part the younger generation, I want to find my purpose. What is my purpose? And what I notice is that many people are looking for purpose. They're asking themselves, what is my purpose? Not because they want to understand their purpose in God, but they want to find something that gives them fulfillment. Something that they're happy about. A lot of people have quit jobs or quit vocations or education because I don't think it's my purpose. Not because they understand or they're interested in what God is doing or saying in their life, but they're more interested in what makes them excited. And as I said, the God, the biggest God of the 21st century, is the God of self. And you see, when we put self before God, it puts us on a destructive path with our relationship. I want you to turn your Bible with me to Isaiah 59 very quickly. Isaiah 59 i we're going to look at um, a few verses there. Why does God seem far? He's not far. He's near. But sometimes I experience from verse 1, as Azar 59, it said, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened. Amen. Amen? In other words, it's not far. That he cannot save, nor his hair heavy that he cannot hear. He said, but your iniquities that these sins have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you. You notice that... He says, your sins have hidden his face from you. It's not that he hid his face from us. But what we do, what we put in our life is what hides his face from us. Amen? And i love to give an illustration that, look, God is here, and he's there all the time. We're the ones that just go up and down. When you're there with him, You can connect. When you wave off, God, where are you? Where are you? When you come back and align, you meet up with him. And that's what I'm saying to us tonight. Let's realign. Amen? Amen? Let's take out the the idol of self. Let's get rid of our idols. What are the things in your life that really, really defines you? You know them. Look, don't just mask it with scriptures. Deep down, you know those things. Look at verse 3. It says, For your hands have defiled the blood, and your fingers with iniquity, your lips have spoken lies, your tongue has mortal perversity. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1, why does God seem far? It's not far. It may look like that, but it says it is our iniquity that hides his face from us. And my prayer tonight is that you will indeed submit and entrust all before him tonight in the name of Jesus. Let's read from verse 20, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20. It reads, it says, wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourse at the opening of the gates in the city. She speaks her words. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? for scorners the light in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn at my rebuke. I'm sure there's no, you see, um, what we there are two categories of foolishness that the Bible explicitly describes. A fool is someone that does not acknowledge God, and a fool is someone that does not like knowledge. Amen? Then uh, verse 23 says, turn at my rebuke. Surely I'll pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Amen. Turn at my rebuke and I'll pour out my spirit yes. on you. You see, God is not far. And he really wants to engage us. He wants to pour out his blessings upon Amen. us. But the reality is that many times we lose sight of his purposes in our life. You know, we fail to acknowledge that 24, um, um, Psalm 24, verse 1, we fail to acknowledge that he is the one that creates everything and for his purpose. Verse 24 says, Because I called and you refuse." Because I call and you refuse. I stretch out my hand and no one regarded. You know, it's so funny during the pandemic that a lot of people who, whose faith were not secure in Christ began to ask, where is God? And the question I asked is that, have you got a relationship with this God that you are crying about? If God exists, how come he allowed the pandemic? You will know if you have a relationship with Christ that all things work together for good for those that are called Amen. according to his purposes. You know, and the way God works his things it might not be comfortable for us. It might not be so exciting for us. You just take example of Abraham. When God called him out of his comfort zone and said, I'm going to lead you to a country, a land which you do not know. God who saw the end from the beginning it's clear what he's going to do in his life. But, you know, like Abraham, we also suffer the predicaments because we can't see the end that God has seen. And God is saying, just move forward. Take one step. You take one step. And God, what next? I can't see anything from me. Take another step, okay? You take another step and you take another step. And But God, yes, I've taken 10 steps. Still nothing has happened. God said, keep on, take another step. Take another, because it's leading you somewhere. Amen? Hallelujah. And you can guarantee that where it's leading you is a place of good. Praise the Lord. Because he said he has a thought concerning us. A thought which is of good and not of evil. Amen? And before we were formed in our mother's womb, he knew us. So, you are not an accident, neither am I an accident. There's a purpose, there's a reason why you are here now. And I strongly believe that, you know, thank God for the time of, um, of the pandemic, you know, but thank God that we survived this. But what is interesting is that I don't think that those of us that survive it were necessarily better than those that didn't survive it, but the grace of God. Because he has a purpose for us. Amen. He still has time for you and me. He still has work for you and me to do. That's why we're still around. Praise the Lord. Verse 25 says, Because you disdain all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke. Look at verse 26. He said, I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes. So, what am I saying? God answers prayer, but he doesn't answer all prayers. In fact, he says, the prayers of the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to me. So what I'm saying to us is that, Prayer or sacrifice does not replace obedience to God. That's why the Bible says that we should submit to him. Amen? Then verse 27 says, when terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call to me, They'll call on me, but I will not answer. You see, from Azar, we saw that the Bible says, Is your sin and iniquity that hides his face from us? It's not that God went hiding. No. As a matter of fact, he's seeking. To pour out his blessings upon us. Amen. He doesn't withhold from his promises. His promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Neither is he a man that shall lie. Nor is he the son of man that shall repent. He said, they will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. Look at verse 29. He said, because they they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Did you see that? He said, because they did not choose the fear of the Lord. I said this, I said, now is the time for you to choose. Now is the time to make the decision. And now is the time for you to take all the advantage that God has for you. You know, um, one of the things that I noticed that when people pass on to glory, usually, you know, you, you see people respond, rest in peace. And one question I've always asked myself is that who are they really, um, who is this really for? Is it for the person that's passed on or for the family? I'm not too sure. What's who that's supposed to address to? But one thing I know is that you can't pray for the dead. It's too late. It's now that we can make a choice. Amen. He said, "Because they did not choose the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord is a choice, and Satan will present every opportunity for us not to choose the fear of the Lord." He will present to us every opportunity to take other options than the fear of the Lord. But I want to call upon you tonight. Choose the fear of the Lord. Amen? Verse 30 says, They would have none of my counsel and despise every rebuke. Verse 31 says, Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled to the full with their own fancies. I pray that is on the portion of everyone listening to me tonight in the name of Jesus. That wisdom will enter your heart and you will indeed choose the fear of the Lord in the mighty name of Jesus. It says, Verse 32 says, for the turning away of the simple will slay them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But watch this. But whoever listens to me, whoever listens to me will dwell what? Safely. And will be what? Secure. Without fear of evil. I love that. Will be secure without fear of evil. You know, one of the reasons why we spend time, I'm sure that's, that doesn't happen here, but um, one of the things that I notice when you go to a lot of um, church gatherings, prayer meeting, and you say, just lift up your hands and begin to praise God. People are just like, we thank you, Father. We bless you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now you now say, take authority, over the works of the devil, bind and cast and lose. My goodness, the roof will always be, will be almost lifted up because we are so sensitized to what Satan is doing, and we have forgotten what Jesus had already accomplished for us on the cross. Amen. Hallelujah. He has obtained victory for us already. And look at that verse again. Let me read it. Say. Eh? But whoever listens will dwell safely and will be secure. Amen? Hallelujah. He said you'll be secure without fear of evil. So why do we spend so much time agitating about evil and fear that something is going to happen to us when already... By the blood of the Lamb, we overcome. Hallelujah. Instead of us to spend time and just glorify God in what he had already accomplished for us. You know, one of my, one of my favorite scriptures is um, Psalm 51, which says that he that offers praise unto the Lord glorifies him. The word glory there means to make big. Hallelujah. And one thing that we do when we praise God, if you really, you know, if you are just one of those people that just say that praise and worship is just a part of the service that you just want to take and go. Or something you just do when you are in tune with the Holy Spirit. I pray that this really gets into your spirit. And you understand that when you praise God, you're making, look, no matter how difficult, No matter what you're going through, when you praise God in that difficult moment, what you're doing is that you are magnifying God beyond the problem. Hallelujah. And because God is magnified before before the problem, and guess what? You begin to see the vastness, the glory of God in that situation. And as a result, there is hope. And there's light. Hallelujah. And I have a personal testimony to even testify of that. You know, in the last two months, I've had um, six months, I've had two surgeries. Or in the last seven months. The first surgery I had went very bad. And my doctor even said that you have no reason to be around now. You have no reason to be alive. I said, hey, but I am. Amen. Amen. Now, when the doctors now said, I have to go for another surgery, I thought, oh, no, no surgery again. No, no, no. That experience. But I then realized that the reason why they wanted to go for the second surgery was not faith, was fear. And as I began to pray, you know, I, I, just, I just began to pray. And the Lord dropped the word in my spirit, Psalm 32. verse I said, they cried upon the Lord and he healed them. And trust me, when I received that word in my spirit, it was like cold water, you know, in the heat of summer. And you just go for a shower. You know how your body just kind of received that pleasantness? That was, that was my experience. And I knew, yes, it is well with me. Amen? I went for the surgery. By the grace of God, everything was okay. Everything was perfect. And here I am standing. Amen? Amen. <laughs> so what I'm saying to us is that, look, let's focus. The psalmist says, even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will what? Fear no evil. Why? Because the Lord... Amen. Hallelujah. You see, we need to develop that confidence that irrespective of what we're going through, God the creator who created me for a purpose, understand why I'm here, what is happening, and looking at that verse, because I listen to him, because my focus is on him, I have no reason to fear any evil because I'm secured in him. The Bible says that we are the apple of God's eye. You know, you think about it, check me, the apple of your eye is a black, the black, the blue, brown, whatever the color of yours is. You try and touch it. Before you touch it, your eye is shut, season it. You know that when you submit to God, you are right in the middle of his protection. Amen. Nothing can touch you without touching him. Amen. I can anything touch him? Nothing is big enough to touch him. Nothing is big enough to impact him. And if nothing can touch him or shift him, you are secured in him in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. As I said, one of the biggest hurdles, you know, um, as we read in that um, Psalm, it says, verse 4 of Psalm 24. I'm going to read that again i just um, conclude in a moment. Verse four of Psalm 24. It says, let me read from verse three. It says, who may ascend into the hill of the Lord or who may stand in his holy place? In other words, who gains access to his presence? Who gains access to that place of security in him? He who has clean hands and a pure heart and who has not lifted his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. An idol, as I said, is not a carved image, but anything exalted above God. Anything that becomes so significant in your life that defines your happiness that defines your peace that you can't do without, that if taken away from your life, your whole life crumbles. I want to finish with this illustration. You, I'm sure we all know avocado. You know avocado, the seed really forms the shape. You take out the seed, from the midst of avocado, the old fruits collapse. But what is interesting is that the seed is also what gives birth to the fruits. That seed, a likeness to God, being in the center of the avocado, like us, is the very center of the essence of our existence. You take it out, the whole life collapses. I want to pray with us tonight. Let's just rise up to our feet as I close. If you're watching us online, I want you to just stretch out your hands. Our Father and our God, I thank you for your word that has gone forth tonight. And I pray that this word will not return to you empty-handed, but we accomplish the very purpose to which you send it forth. I pray that, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that everyone under the sound of my breath tonight, that, Lord, they will lay down every idol that they've set up in their lives unto you. I thank you, Lord, because your word says that, Lord, you exalt the humble. As we humble ourselves before you tonight, and lay down everything and anything that we exalt beyond you. We acknowledge your lordship in our lives in the name of Jesus. And I pray that as many that do not know you as Lord and personal Savior, Or anyone that may be struggling in releasing the idols of the altars. Father, I pray that, Lord, every altar exalted above your name be crumbled tonight in the name of Jesus. And I pray that, Lord God Almighty, that your name that is exalted above every other name will be exalted in the lives of each and everyone under the sound of my breath tonight in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your saving grace. And I thank you, Lord, that as many that do not know you as Lord and Savior, that, Lord God, their hearts will be open and receptive to receive you tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. I thank you, Lord Almighty, for your peace and your love upon your people In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.